0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Sound Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Wednesday, August 9th, bringing you this midweek episode. Last episode was on Sunday, so we've got we've got a little two-episode-per-week gig going on here. Hopefully, we'll continue this through the throughout the rest of August. It's fun when we do this kind of thing. It is, it is a lot, or it gets to be a lot, especially when we're doing... As much research for the episode that we like we did for today but it's this episode definitely merited it we're doing an ncaa uh, conference realignment episode today and also kind of big 12 preview but also kind of not because the big 12 is very new or there's a lot of new teams and a lot of them are group of five teams and there's also some top heaviness that we're going to kind of go over as the the blunt of the big 12 part but Really, the, the the larger part of this episode is the realignment part that we're going to be doing. We promised you guys we would get to it. We could have gotten to it last episode because it was on Sunday. It was very fresh and new, and it would have been probably best for the algorithm to do it then. But we try to give ourselves more time to research for it, try to give ourselves more time to think about all everything that goes into it and all the solutions, possible solutions that we could come up with for the problems at hand, because let me tell you, there's, (laughs) I mean, this, this whole thing is riddled with problems. So you're going to hear a lot of that today. You're going to hear a lot of questions Hear a lot of hopefully smart solutions. Um, But again, we, you know, we're not really masters at this. We're kind of just two dudes sitting at our, sitting on our butts, trying to come up with, uh, with solutions on how to fix the NCAA, which is probably one of the most impossible things that you could even embark on doing. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a crazy episode though. You're going to hear a lot of good research that we did a lot of good takes, hopefully Um, maybe some hot takes here and there, because I know that one of the hot takes that I have is, is kind of going to come more towards the middle of the episode, but I'm pretty confident in what I'm going to say. And I, I actually was pretty proud of it when I wrote it down. So I'm excited to go over that. Just really excited for a lot of things to come up in this episode. So with that being said, I've got I've got Matt here on the other end of the Zoom call. We are on Zoom today, in case you haven't noticed by the little bit poor audio quality. But yes, we are not in person for the first three episodes of season four. We were in person, I'm pretty sure. And we're back on Zoom remote. But it doesn't matter because we're, we're still going to kill this episode. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I would
1: I would give us some more credit there. And you were kind of you were kind of yeah. just you're you're painting us out to be some, some fools over here, you know, some some clout chasers just, you know, Monday morning quarterback <laughs> and all this college realignment, I I think yeah. we're, I think we're above the average, uh, above your average bear in yes, terms of our knowledge yeah. on, on on the college, you know, football, well, college sports in general realignment and, and everything that we're going to be talking about today, because It's true. And everything you said at the beginning, you were kind of fumbling over your words a little bit, but that's the exact sentiment that I think, you know, kind of results from a situation like this where it's just completely unknown. And obviously, there's still so much to happen. There's actually there could be more moves between now and when technically August 15th is the is kind of the cutoff date for uh, colleges to be moving conferences and all this, you know, all the all the mumbling and and shuffling that's been going on. But yeah, like today, the bulk of the episode is going to be talking about conference realignment. And I must say, this is almost shaping up to be one of my favorite episodes that I'm just excited to do for almost probably the entire year, uh, just because of how much change there's going to be going forward. I mean, this is quite literally, you know, one of the one of the most consequential days. Well, you know, I guess last week was technically one of the most consequential weeks uh, in, in college football, college sports history really for, right, for the past, you know, ever since conferences kind of became a thing because it, it, it quite literally shaping up to be the future of what we knew was going to happen in terms of just kind of everything or all, you know, all the best teams consolidating into, into two, you know, super conferences, but just the, you know, the speed with which it happened, the unknown that, that was kind of, you know, there were rumors flying around and then things just became uh, official kind of all at once. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was really just, it was kind of unprecedented for, for everything that, that did happen. And I think that, for your you know casual sports fan who we're trying to reach, as well as your avid sports fan who we're also trying to reach, it, this this episode is going to is going to give you everything because we're going to be talking about the the effects of the Pac-12. We're going to be talking about the effects of the Big 12 and the in and the Big Ten, mostly because those are kind of the biggest three that are involved. But we have you know we kind of have descriptions of you know what each conference lost and gained based on the news that that we heard, as well as kind of our, our overall sentiments and, and kind of you know general scope of what. Those conferences are going to be going forward, as well as kind of the the impact that these moves had on those respective conferences as well. So I, I'm I'm super pumped to get to get into it. Uh, it might be a little bit longer of an episode. As Hayden said, we we did a full you know conference preview for all the other Power Five conferences aside from the Big Big Twelve. Yet we did you know in depth on teams and players and, and all that stuff. Unfortunately, the Big 12 is, is going to be is going to get a little bit of the short end of the stick here because conference realignment, I think, you know, in my mind definitely takes priority over, you know, kind of going in depth on Baylor uh, at this time of the year. So, uh, so I think, you know, with all that being said, we'll, we'll hit on the Big 12, but, it, you know, especially too. And, and I, and, you know, I mean, Hayden talked about this. It's a, it's a, it's a 14 team league this year. That's losing its best two teams at the end of this year. And this year is the implementation of four new teams who weren't even in the power five before this year. So I think that, you know, if there was one conference to kind of, there's just so much unknown about it. It is the big 12 this year. And so that's why we kind of, we kept it for last and obviously are kind of going to be doing it at the end of this episode. And we're not even really going to go in depth on any of the teams, probably besides Texas and Oklahoma. Um, but as Hayden mentioned, it's kind of a two horse race to begin with. So, you know, right. If you're a huge Big 12 fan, please let us know and we'll do an individual episode because nobody ever hits us up about things that we need to do an episode on. So we'd love to hear it. Uh, but other than that, I think, you know, we I'm, I'm just excited to get into all the conference realignment talk.
0: All right. Well, with that being said, let's get into one of the hottest topics of the year. One of the hottest episodes of the year here. Let's get into college football conference realignment. So the big three conferences that you guys heard about last week were the Pac-12, the Big Ten and the Big 12. And, might, and that might be a little bit interesting. You know, you, you didn't hear about the SEC. You didn't hear really about the ACC. You've heard about the ACC probably before last week because they're still in talks. I mean, ACC hasn't even, like, that hasn't even come to fruition. And that's the crazy part is that every team in the ACC is still a ticking bomb in terms of whether they're going to move or whether they're going to stay or just disband the conference altogether or whatever. But again, ACC, we're not even going to get to them because nothing has happened with them yet. But the three big conferences that were in the talks last week were again the Pac-12, the Big 10 and the Big 12. Now, the Pac-12 was the biggest loser here. They're left with four total teams in their conference. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's California, Stanford, Oregon and Washington State. Those are the only teams that are left in the Pac-12 for the upcoming year or for I I guess next year, not the upcoming year. Upcoming year this year everything is going to stay the same. So again, if you haven't listened to our analysis episodes on each conference, we like Matt said, we've done the SEC, Big Ten, and then we did the ACC and Pac-12 in one episode. But again, those were still very in-depth analyses. If you haven't listened to those, go listen to them because that's still going to apply to this year. All of this yeah. stuff that's happening is really is really only taking effect in the 2024 season, which is going to be nuts to like doing that episode, doing these episodes for next year, next summer like all these preview episodes are going to be nuts because we're, we're not going to know what to do with ourselves. It's still going to be all very new to us. So I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, it's, it's yeah. how, we're going to have to do three separate
1: episodes on yes. the big 10. Cause there's 18 teams.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. So to give you a little bit of a rundown on what's happened to the PAC 12 so far, they lost USC and UCLA. This was, this happened way back. So this was last year, USC and UCLA declared that they were going to go to the big 10 and then last week, earlier last week, Colorado left the Pac-12. Colorado's kind of been a very bad team in the Pac-12, so you did, probably didn't even really know if they were in a group of five conference or in the Pac-12, but they were in the Pac-12. They moved to the big – or they chose to move to the Big 12. And then Oregon and Washington were the big guys last week that mo- that decided to move also to the Big 10. So they're joining USC and UCLA as Pac-12 teams that are moving to the Big 10 and then Arizona Arizona State and Utah all chose to move to the Big 12. This again all this goes into effect for the 2024 season. So I'm going to I'm going to sit here and I'm going to ask Matt first why did all this happen? We I, Matt's very good at giving backstories and giving context to things like this. So I'm going to let him kind of sound off on on why all this happened to begin with and then also we're going to talk about the remaining four teams that are left in the Pac-12, and then also kind of take a side on all of this that's happening. Because again, we can talk about everything that's happened first. Like we can talk about the teams that are added to the Big 12 or teams that are added to the Big 10 first and then take a side. But I I think that it's pretty safe to say that we should take a side first because all of this has happened up to this point and we haven't really had an opinion on it so far. Or at least if we haven't had an opinion, it hasn't really been – clear enough to the point where we can, you know, where we can really take a deep dive into this stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to give Matt the floor here to kind of just talk about why all this happened in the first place.
1: It was mainly due to, well, as we can say for anything that happens in sports these days, money (laughs) shocker, uh, specifically though, every conference so, and, and I'm it, Hayden's going to be sitting here like, dude, are you really about to say this again? And yes, because if you're listening to this episode, you, you might not have heard all the other episodes that we talked about um, conference realignment or just college sports in general. The main driver behind all the teams leaving the Pac-12 is the fact that the Pac-12 had not signed a media rights deal with a TV network in order to broadcast their games going forward. Okay. Now, and again, just to kind of, you know, broad scope, the conference itself signs a so all the conferences sign a TV deal or a, a media rights deal um, with a TV network that in order to broadcast their game and or, you know, all the games in the conference and some conferences, as you've noted, you know, white like the, the SEC, the Big Ten, you know, the bigger conferences, they'll have, you know, they'll have multiple deals with different well they'll have they'll have a deal with multiple different TV networks, right? So you see, you know, the Big Ten has, you know, big, you know, Fox Noon Sunday, like the Fox noon Saturday, their big, you know, Fox noon kickoff thing where you have you're know, right, you know, Michigan and, and Illinois play at noon on Fox. Well you're then you're gonna see you know Indiana and Rutgers is playing on ESPN. You're like, well what the heck's going on with the media rights deal? It's it's whatever the conference is able to decide with any of the, any of the, you know, the, the the TV broadcasters Um, similar with the SEC, they had CBS uh, and they had ESPN. Now going forward, obviously again, this year it's different. The big 10 has CBS and ESPN and, and, or CBS and Fox and then the, the, um, the SEC. Yeah. So there's, there's obviously there's, there's, there's stuff that's still kind of being figured out here, but the, the big picture, at least for the back 12 is the fact that their media rights deal came up with, I think it was Fox, um, and 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 ESPN similar to what the Big Ten had, uh, and at this point you're thinking, okay, you know who are they going to sign their 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 next deal with? Um, and from what we heard, George Klyovkov, who is the commissioner of the Pac-12, came out and kept saying, we have multiple deals, we have multiple suitors, we have you know things on the table. We're discussing you know in and amongst ourselves what we're going to choose, what's best for the conference going forward, and then we'll kind of let everybody know when you know when this happens right or or when the when the deal is signed well apparently what happened was there were deals on the table and the PAC-12 thought that well I I don't know if it was necessarily I mean George Klyovkov has the I guess the executive say at the end of the day because he's the you know he's the commissioner of the conference but whoever their leadership council was thought that every deal that they were offered weren't or wasn't good enough for where they thought their place was in in you know the 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 world or the, uh, you know, the, the area of college football. And so they essentially passed up on all these deals, knowing or anticipating that there would always be something better coming along. And so once all the major TV networks bowed out, you know, your Fox, ESPN, stuff like that, they got approached by Apple, Apple TV, which is now, you know, they have an MLS deal, they have an MLB deal. So, you know, Apple's kind of getting into the sports game here with with kind of your lesser known sports um, and and straight up offer the Pac-12 a deal. And gave the Pac-12 like nine days to be able to say yes or no, and the Pac-12 was kind of like, yeah, I think we're going to need longer than that, and they didn't, they didn't sign anything, and so nothing ended up happening. Okay, and so that's the whole that that's the that's the main crux of the issue here is the fact that the Pac-12 their media rights deal came up, and again, as we've stated, the SEC and the Big Ten, but well, specifically the Big Ten, just signed their new media rights deal with CBS and ESPN for over $2 billion each team in the big 10 is making over $70 million every single year. And that is what the PAC 12 wanted to do. However, for whatever reason, they assumed that their position in within the, you know, the, the landscape of college football was a lot better and bigger than it is, and just always thought that there would be a better deal that comes across the table. There ended up not being one, and now they're completely, they're completely out of, uh, well, not only are they completely out of a media rights deal, but they're completely out of teams in their conference as well going forward. And so this all started, again, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, t- t- tell the Bible here or anything, but this all started like probably eight, seven, eight years ago, a guy named Larry Scott. He was the predecessor to George Klyovkov. Okay. As a guy named Larry Scott. And he completely, I mean, he, he started this whole thing. He, he, he basically started the downward spiral for the Pac-12 to begin with. He spent like, A billion dollars on some insane like headquarters you know mansion of an office in in somewhere in California um and basically and then the pandemic happened so all the people that were going to be working there just started working from home um and and so that was a complete waste of dollars and then on top of that they came up with the PAC-12 network which Hayden do you know what the PAC-12 network is
0: uh not really I mean I've, I've probably come across it maybe once my life.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you haven't come across it at all because nobody is able to access this. Oh, whatever reason. That's the so now you've heard it. Yeah. Now you yes. know what it is. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So that's what's been talked about It's the fact that, like, there, you know, he comes around to all these, all these schools and all these, you know, all these TV, you know, media people in there. And he's like, you know, we know now he did see the future of college football being what it is today and, you know, being one of the most probably the, the most popular sport other than the NFL in the entire, you know, in the entire country. And so, he went off on his own and created, his, his, you know, the a network solely for the conference, the Pac-12 network. But the problem is nobody had access to it, and you had to have some like weird subscription. And there was like the Pac-12 East and the Pac-12 West, all these different networks, but nobody was able to watch it. And if you were, even if you were, especially if you're on the East Coast, which you know most of these teams are, and you know East Coast uh, time time zone these games are starting at 10 o'clock at night on, you know, on a, on a Friday and like either you have other plans on a Friday at 10 o'clock or you're in bed or you have other stuff to do. And you don't really care about, you know, Washington state facing off against Oregon state in a battle of, uh, in the battle at, uh, at, at, uh, I forget the college town, Oregon state's in, but either way you don't really care about that. Okay. So this whole thing was, was started by Larry Scott, who thought who who saw the who saw the future correctly, but made all the wrong choices along the way in terms of promoting the conference and getting the name out there and trying to do something about, you know, making the Pac-12 into a, a, a good conference. And then he basically gets fired. And in comes, you know, George Klyovkov, who's like, okay, we got to kind of salvage what what the the wreckage that Larry Scott left behind and try to, you know, and try to make this thing into what it is. And and again, Larry Scott correctly saw that college football would become one of the biggest money makers in terms of any sport in the entire world. And, and George Klyovkov was like, yeah, you know, he's right with that. So whatever comes across our table, we're going to say no until we can get the most money possible. And then by the time, you know, by the time, you know, it, all the deals have been offered. They've said no to all of them. All those deals have gone to other conferences now and the PAC 12 is left with nothing. Okay. So that's hopefully a, 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 and again, it's all it all comes back to money at the end of the day but hopefully that's a good background description on on kind of what the history was in terms of the Pac-12 teams and and what they've been dealing with over the past 5 to 6 years Seeing the realignment happen, you know, kind of at first in the Big Twelve with Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC, and then obviously UCLA and USC last summer, and then just kind of everything that happened last week as well. So that that was the that was the start of all of this mess. Um, and as Hayden said, there's only four teams left in the Pac-12 now to begin with. And so the next part that we want to cover is is the argument as to is this good for the sport right is this good or bad for the sport Uh, because you can argue that college football is the most the best part about it is the regionality right where you know every, every school you know, college towns and, 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 and schools. And, you know, you see a hundred thousand people showing up to these games and it's, you know, it's, it's regardless of where you come from, as long as you go to this school, you know, they're in your heart for the rest of your life. And, and it's just, and it's, and it's not, it's, it's pure fandom, right? With the NFL, it's like, okay, yeah. You know, your, your, your dad likes the Steelers. And so you're like, ah, I, yeah, I root for the Steelers. And obviously the NFL is King and they're always going to, you know, they're always going to be the number one sport, but it's true passion and love when it comes to college football and rooting for college football teams. now, interestingly enough, I don't really have that you know love, even though I went to UVA, I'm not like I'm not falling head over heels trying to go to a UVA game every Saturday when they're playing you know Boston College in the middle of October. But weirdly enough, because I'm just intrigued by all of this and and there's so many more teams and there's, you know it means so much to so many people, I intru- I somehow along the way, college football kind of became my favorite sport, right? So that's even the, the impact that it's had on someone like me who, yes, I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm an insane sports fan to begin with, but there's just so much more, there's so many more teams, there's so much more to know that it almost kind of that, that's how much it grew on me to kind of where it's it's at the top of my mind now. So, but for your for your fan, for your average college football fan, you know, someone who who attended the University of Oregon and is living in Oregon and loves Oregon and has family who went to UCLA and, you know, they've been rivals for the last 30 years. Now, Oregon on, on, in the middle of October, similar as to how UBA is playing Boston College in the middle of October, Oregon in the middle of October is going to be traveling to Muncie, Indiana to play the Indiana Hoosiers. And nobody's going to care about that. Well, people will care, but it's not, it's not the same regionality argument that it is for you know playing other teams in your region in California in in you know in Washington in, in Oregon so that's the main argument is the fact that like the the you know the passion and love of college football comes from living in the regions you know having friends and family who go to these schools or other schools or rival schools and that being the fun of what of what, you know what is the, the heartbeat of college football right there's the other side of the argument though which is hey <laughs> Oregon versus Indiana might not be a marquee game but Oregon versus Oregon State, well, that's actually a pretty, that's a good example of a good rivalry, but Oregon versus Arizona State also isn't really a rivalry, right? So if you don't live around there, you don't have friends who went to Oregon and family that went to you, Arizona State, that doesn't mean much for you. So what you do get by this is Oregon now goes to play at Michigan. Oregon goes to play at Ohio State. You know, Penn State comes over to Eugene and plays Oregon at Autzen Stadium. Like that is what you get from this move of Oregon to the, you know, to, to the Big Ten, Oregon and Washington and, and, and UCLA and USC to the, to the Big Ten. So the argument on the other side of the argument, the regionality argument, the other side of that is, this is good for the sport because we get more marquee games, we get bigger teams and bigger names all playing each other in, in the same conference. So Oregon has has the same chance to win the Big Ten that USC does the same chance to win in the Big Ten that Rutgers does the same chance to win the Big Ten that Iowa and and, and Illinois have. So that's that's kind of the two sides of the argument. Hayden, if I miss anything, feel free to kind of, you know, clean up where where I didn't. Um, and then just kind of I guess I guess we kind of got in to get into like, you know, what is the what's the correct side to be on or, or what side do we fall on?
0: Yeah, so. If, if you ask anybody, I'm going to say this like kind of as a joke, but also not really as a joke. If you ask anybody over the age of like 40 or 50, they're going to say like, oh, I need my regions back. Like, I this is so stupid. NCAA, you know, conference realignment. It's so stupid because, yeah, it messes up the rivalries and you don't play teams in the same spot anymore. And it's just nostalgic. Right. And it is nostalgic. Like to a point, even for us, young guys like Matt and I, I mean, I'm 21. Matt's about to be 25 like even for young guys like us the old ncaa where even even before teams like um you know i'm trying to think of, of a recent conference change or like a a, re, a a recent conference alignment that actually happened but it's not there's not there, really much yeah, that happened happened before, yeah, be, yeah, before and yeah before like sorry, cincinnati <laughs> sorry before like cincinnati and houston and byu and all them joined the big 12 like that's like that's really the the most recent thing I can think of, and then oh okay Texas A and M moving from the Big Twelve to the SEC was probably the biggest one. Because- you also had
1: Nebraska move from the Big yeah.
0: Twelve to the Big Ten,
1: and then Colorado actually used to be in the Big Twelve and they moved to the Pac twelve yes. and now they're back in the Big Twelve. But right. yeah, so those are those are the three most. But I, I like I'm older than you, Hayden. And I can't even remember, remember that happening or or. To where that was a, you know, a, a large news thing, news item in, in in the grand landscape of college football.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, so that's my point is that really nothing like this has happened up until now. And so even guys like Matt and I, who are on the younger side, a lot younger than somebody that's 50 or even 40, we still have that nostalgic feeling of, right, seeing Oregon and Oregon State play. Even though we kind of know who's going to win that game, as or as of recently, you know, we, we you know that Oregon's going to win that game ninety five percent of the time, but there, there's still something about it that's like, oh my gosh, you know, th- this is this is rivalry week is is crazy. It's like one of the biggest weekends in college football, and that's going to be gone. Well, sort of. It's it's going to be yeah. gone for the bigger of, teams. Yeah, yeah, for the bigger teams, and it's it's also like. Not going to be an in-conference thing. So this is what I was this is ca- kind of part of what I was reading, and then I'll get to my opinion on it. Essentially, what's what might happen is that rivalry weekend will still exist, and so you'll still have because you still have out-of-conference games, even when right. all this in-conference merging happens, but you still have out-of-conference games. And so, what's going to happen is like those out-of-conference games are going to be the rivalries or are going to be the regional rivalries. Yeah. And so that's so people that argue, oh, well, you know, you're messing up the rivalries. Not really, because you're still going to have that rivalry happen, but it's just not going to be an, in, an in-conference game. And it might not be in the conference championship or whatever, because sometimes it does happen when you have a rivalry in the conference championship as well, but it, it's just not going to happen like that. It's going to happen at, at a different part of the year. But I honestly think that that's kind of all right. So my, I've kind of alluded to my answer here. My answer here, and as as a very... Big football fan. I don't really follow many other college sports. I mean, I, I go to UVA and so we're pretty big on lacrosse and soccer in, in some aspects, but it's like I really only follow UVA in those sports. And yes, if you were wondering, this does affect other sports. I, I think I've said in the past that it wouldn't or something or I, I've said like, I assume that it wouldn't, but it actually does. And I, most of what I'm reading has been or like most of the arguments that I've been reading against conference realignment has been in the context of other sports and just saying that like you're basically putting every other student athlete at sacrifice of sleep yeah. and going to class in order it, to the do argument this.
1: could be made that it might kill a lot of these other sports
0: yes yeah. and you're putting it a lot of risk just for football to make more money which again it's there, there's a lot of sides to this to this token here but I'm going to go out and say, I, I think that there it's not as bad as people make it out to be. And I, and I think that I'm coming from the perspective of, right, you're still going to have the rivalries. You're still going to have regionality to, to the football schedule. You're just not really going to see as much of it. And it's also, and this is kind of what Matt was kind of trying to put, in, or what Matt was saying, and I'm going to kind of put it into more context, like, I think what we're going to see a lot more of is home home field advantage for kind of smaller teams that don't really that wouldn't have an advantage over bigger teams before Matt made the example of Oregon going to Indiana to play in at Indiana you're not going to see a lot of Oregon fans at least I don't think that you would see as many Oregon fans travel to Indiana as you would see Oregon fans travel to Arizona State because right you I mean yeah. that's just a lot more travel for fans that if Oregon's having like you know if Oregon is Four and one on the season. It's like they might not be traveling all that way to see him play Indiana. They definitely won't be for that matter. So it's like you've got Indiana, who's who's going to pack the house with all red and white, and you're not going to see a speck of green or yellow right in that stadium. And so you're going to give Indiana a lot more home field advantage. While they would still have home field advantage in a game against I in a home game against Iowa, right? You would still have that, but you're not like it's not going to be as as huge as it would be against Oregon and again Oregon is a much higher caliber team that you're giving an advantage to Indiana it's like there's almost you know a balanced aspect to it that's a little bit cool in my opinion I think a lot of people are kind of overlooking that it's like by default you're going to give smaller teams a home field advantage over bigger teams now you're also going to get I mean there's going to be the you know a few times when smaller teams go to bigger teams fields and it's like well you're you're giving the better team even more of an advantage and it's just like that kind of just destroys the point of everything but right that doesn't really i mean that happens in conferences right now so you you won't really that's not really going to change much it's 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 not really uh deviating from the norm right now is what i'm trying to say so my opinion yes after all this after going over all this my opinion would be I think that it's not as bad as everybody thinks I'm in favor of it because I'm a huge football fan and I want to see marquee matchups. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it like I like watching good football games. So it's like, I love this, but I'm going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm going to ignore how it's going to affect every other sport, every other college sport. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and, and say, like, I kind of, I kind of do like the the nostalgic feeling of Oregon playing Oregon state, but it's like, it, does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? It, does it really matter when I could be watching Oregon play Ohio State? Not really, because I like to see very good football games. But Matt might have a, a different opinion here. I just want to go out and say that, and we might talk about this even a little bit more later. I do want to say that, like, I do feel bad for every other sport that's getting pulled into this. Don't think, don't get me wrong and think that I'm Just thinking about football, I know that this is going to affect a lot of kids, and it it is real. Like the problems of this, the lack of sleep that kids are going to get from just simply traveling. Yeah. Okay. Having to go to a game that's a four-hour flight away and then come back that same night after playing, like that that is going to suck. And kids are going to have to go to sleep at 3 a.m. and then wake up at 8 a.m. to go to their 9 a.m. class. It's like that's that's really gonna it's going to mess with kids a lot, and it's really going to make athletes more like professionals because all they're going to be doing is, is is sports and we've seen recently that college athletes or collegiate athletes have been compared to being professionals because of how more how much more they're working out how much more they're practicing as time has gone on and as the competitive world of college sports has has, has gotten even more competitive but this is going to make it this is going to like just take it up to another level. And I didn't even know that that was really possible after seeing how much college athletes work at their sport, but it's, it's going to do it. And again, I never really thought the conference, that a simple team moving to another conference and moving their label to another label would do this kind of thing, but it does. And that's, that's what the regionality, that's how important the regionality is. And that's what, that's the argument that everybody on the regionality side is trying to make. Is that like, you're you're really going to do a number to these kids. So Matt, I'm interested to see what you think.
1: Yeah, well, for, first off, right. I mean, just, I, I think Hayden makes an excellent point. Like imagine Washington State women's basketball on Tuesday night has yeah. to play at Maryland, okay? So, because, I mean, you know, obviously Washington State's not in the Big Ten anymore, but w- whatever, okay. So make the, so Washington, I don't know why I said Washington State, but Washington <laughs> plays plays yeah. at Maryland, you know, in the middle of a week. And then four days later, they're scheduled at home against Indiana or Illinois or Penn State. And it's like, you're you're, you're losing three hours on the travel to Maryland, and then you're getting three hours, but it's just you're your jet lagged a total of six hours going back and forth. And so are the other teams because they have to play. So yeah, I think it, you know, for for the other sports, it's going to be, and, and I don't think and, and right, right, Hayden, I think, and I think we've good, given good credence to it. But I think that we can't even really talk about it in a sense of knowing what's going to happen because we don't and yeah. we also don't know how like they might change it up they might like have again those sports might stay like it's I mean basketball will probably stay you know with the with the whole football model of like those conferences can be the same but like right softball might continue in the same Pac-12 as before like we just don't have enough information to be able to tell what's actually going to happen for each individual school and how it's going to be impacted
0: and actually that could happen and that's that's why I originally thought that other sports will be left out of all this is because there are deviations like that in different sports, right? So you, you see that with Notre Dame and men's basketball, they're in the ACC, but in football, they're an independent. I mean, you, you see that there's definitely more teams where that's the case. I I basically, all the independents in football, I think are, are in a conference in basketball of of some sort, because they kind of have to be in order for the NCAA tournament rules. But like you, you see that across other sports, even football, deviating from basketball, which like Matt just said, we assume that basketball is going to follow all the, all the rules that are happening in the context of, of football teams. But it's like, that could happen with other sports, which is the ideal situation. But again, there's going to be a lot of behind the scenes, things that are going to have to be done in order for that to happen. And, and I think it's probably, I mean, the more that I think about it,
1: I, it's probably actually not like one school, one, one, different sports for one school are not going to be able to stay with two different conferences because so, like, let's say Colorado, for example, like they're moving to the Big 12. They're automatically making a lot more money in the Big 12 than they were in the Pac 12 just because of the new TV deal, deal that the the Big 12 signed. Like I said, the the TV deal, the money that the TV deal makes, is dispersed evenly among all the teams in the conference. So, whatever TV deal that the Big 12 signs, all the teams in the Big 12 now get that money. And on the if you're the Big 12 and you know Colorado's baseball team is now able to be funded by the money that they're making from the football and basketball team being in the big 12 but the baseball team still stays in the pac-12 you're you're giving you see what i'm saying like you're giving that money or you're yeah you're basically giving that money to the school to be able to use in another conference where that conference is not like the pac-12 if they stay alive in baseball like they are not there it doesn't the tv deal doesn't go by individually by sport it goes by the conference overall so there again there's a lot of and a lot of stuff ends up being legal too, and we're far from being lawyers too. So I, I think it's, it's probably not even our, yeah. our, uh, our world to be conjecturing on this. Um, so, so anyway, so back to my side of the argument I, and I hate to do it, but I agree with Hayden. I I, I like it for, for, yeah. for the future of football, for just watching these big games for, you know, for seeing like these, these, you know, these big teams being able to, to travel all these, all this distance. And, and I think it just, it creates more opportunities for, for right for for watching better football, and I think that it it, it could you I, I very much can understand where someone would would see that argument as ignorant. Um, I can understand where someone would see that argument as not understanding the landscape of college football. But I think that too, it just it it probably a lot of it's probably going to depend on where you live, where you grew up, where your parents went to school, where your friends went to school. Because like for me and Hayden, we went to UVA, and yeah, UVA is a power five school and it's in the ACC, but it it's not. I don't feel that regional love and hatred of, you know, being in Like we play Virginia Tech every year and that's a big deal. And, yeah. But like, even that is not really like I didn't, you know, nobody, that wasn't a, a topic that everybody talked about every single day, un, you know, un, unless it's like literally the rival week that we're playing Virginia Tech. But other than that, even in basketball, like I, I was at UVA when UVA won the championship in, in basketball in 2019. And it wasn't like, oh, wow, Florida State is coming into the time the john paul jones stadium and we're gonna have to go to see if we can win the game it was like no it's like all right yeah we're probably gonna win it's a regular season game who really cares we get to the acc tournament nobody really cares still and then we get to the final four and it's like oh my god this is the biggest thing ever right so yeah. it's like it doesn't it, it like it, it, it has to be taken to a such you know such a bigger level and so yes that's the acc and i know that obviously the sec and the big 10 are are bigger conferences and the sports mean more in those conferences so yes i'm talking from kind of from a I guess a a lower perspective to begin with, but right. Take it from me, a person who's recently graduated from college, who went to a power five school. I still don't really get the whole regionality or that, that whole regionality passion, love of the game thing isn't really affecting me in terms of kind of my ability to watch football. And I think Hayden actually made a really, really good point earlier when he was saying that for as long as we've been watching sports and, and obviously we do a sports podcast, that's like my biggest passion in life. And I, as I just said, college football is probably if I had to like take a sport, that's like my favorite, it's probably college football. There hasn't been conference realignment like this since yeah. we've been a lot, even like the small, even the, the smaller things, right? Texas a moving from the Big 12 to the SEC. I don't remember that. I only ever remember Texas a m being in the SEC. Johnny Manziel was their quarterback and, and he beat Alabama. Like that stuff is what I remember. And yeah. so even take it from me, like a, a person who for all my life, the conferences have basically been the same this doesn't really make me that upset. It honestly makes me more excited. I think just because I'm a fan of the game. I'm not, I'm not. And I think that's, that's probably what it has to do with. It's like, if you truly have love for your team and and that's all you care about. And so, right, if, you know, you went to Oregon, Your both your parents went to Oregon, your best friends are all, you know, Oregon graduates too, you know, and and a couple of your friends live in Arizona. That's a big deal because you go to Arizona state on a Wednesday night and, or Thursday night. and 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 that's like your thing cool but i think for the grand scheme of things like most of the people in the country either did not graduate from you know a, a power 5 school or went to a power 5 school different from their parents different from their friends or it's just not that you know the sports scene wasn't wasn't really that great so I, that's where i fall in the argument of of kind of the you know what this does for for sports overall and again I, like i said i'm i'm a fan of the sport in general and i think that the sport in general gets a lot more interesting because of these moves and so that's kind of where I fall on it. But I completely understand the regionality argument. It just doesn't really apply to me. I think just because of kind of where I live, where I went to school, where my parents went to school, where my friends, and again, my closest friends now also went to UVA with me, but like, were we going to every single football game? No, because UVA is kind of bad at football, right? And we had a season, even when I was there, we didn't have a season that was really good. I think we won nine games, got to the ACC championship, beat Virginia Tech, which was great face Clemson in the, in the ACC championship. And I think we lost by 55 points. So it's yeah. like even that, right. It doesn't, it doesn't like, that doesn't land with me. Like I think it would some other people. So I understand that side of the argument. It just doesn't really, yeah, it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't like kind of affect my mental, I guess, as much as um, it does for some people. And and again, I understand that. And for the, for the other sports, as Hayden was saying, we can't really conjecture on that too much just because there's so much unknown about it, but it does definitely, it's definitely a negative effect on right. Sports, like swimming and diving and 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 tennis and lacrosse and like who knows what that's going to end up being like or if they're going to have to shift it around but again football and basketball is what makes the money and unfortunately and this is the truth I will say this football and basketball are the sports that fund the other sports at those colleges right so yeah the, like the really sad part like for Washington and their women's basketball team they're probably going to be fine yeah they're going to be have to they're going to be having to travel more but hey the extra $30 million that they're going to make in the Big Ten could go towards building up that women's basketball team and and go into the NIL recruiting business or, you know, building a, a big new facility that they can have to practice with. Like there are positive, there are positive, there are good benefits that are coming from teams that are moving to these bigger conferences and they're making more money, where it really sucks is Oregon State's softball team, which now gets completely screwed because not only do they not have a conference anymore, but now they don't have a TV deal to where they're going to be able to get that money. They're probably going to have to join the Mountain West. And that TV deal is a heck of a lot less than it would have been, even from a Pac-12 Power Five conference signing a TV deal with you know with with one of the networks. So kind of going off of that, I mean again, I, th- I think we spent more time on that one than we wanted to, but the next kind of part of this argument or part of the question, I guess, is that there are now four teams left in the PAC 12 and that's Cal Stanford, Oregon state and Washington state. And so the general question here, and again, we, we, we're not going to know for sure, but just kind of fun to, to, to project here is what are the fate of these remaining teams now?
0: Yeah. I, I think that this is kind of, this is an easy answer for me. And it's, it's that you can't have a conference of four teams in it, at least a, a, and call it a power. F- again, we don't even really know if the PAC 12 is going to be called a power, a power five conference. If it does last until the start of next season, when all this takes effect, but my kind of inkling here is that right, Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, those teams, while they may not all go to the same conference, they're probably gonna go to some other conference. And you and it's not really as easy as it sounds. I, I might, you know, I might I might sound like I'm kind of just saying, like, oh yeah, they can just kind of say I'm gonna go to the Pac-12 and I'm gonna go to the Pac. No, it's or the Big Twelve and I'm gonna go to the Big Twelve. It's not like that. It's you have to apply or send like some kind of request to the big 12 commissioner or the the big 10 commissioner, I don't think any of these teams are going to be allowed to go to the big 10. Um, Even though that there's teams in the big 10 already that are kind of their caliber. uh, They're probably not going to, the big 10 is probably not going to let any more teams in a max of two. And that's something that I might go over later because they already have 18 teams heading into the 2024 season. So I don't think any teams are going to go into the big 10, but maybe the big 12, maybe they'll split somehow, but that's my quick answer is like you can't have a conference with four teams in it and call yourself a. Con- I mean, group of five conferences don't have that little t- I mean, group of five conferences have, I think at least 10 teams each. And so it's like, you can't, you can't have a conference with four teams. And again, much less call yourself a, a power five conference, which they aren't even a power five conference at this point after this season, of course, they still are this season, but it's going to be more like power four, next season uh, and that's that's kind of when things get shaky but my my simple answer is right they're just gonna move to another conference yeah and
1: I think to, to go off of that I think there's already kind of been some news reported on where these teams are going to land apparently Cal and Stanford are looking at the ACC or at least they've been invited I think wow. to join the ACC which makes sense I think too from an academic standpoint in the ACC you kind of have a I guess a higher threshold for for yeah. kind of, you know, the, the academic standards. Obviously you have schools like UVA, Duke, UNC, um, Notre Dame is, you know, was in the basketball conference, as Hayden said. And so I think that's kind of a natural move, at least for, for Cal and Stanford. Uh, but again, the ACC, and Hayden mentioned this right off the top, the ACC is already struggling too, right? In terms of, you know, maintaining the teams in their conference. And there's already teams that want to leave and go to bigger conferences. And I think the Pac-12 kind of came out of nowhere in terms of, this all just happened a lot faster than we thought for the Pac-12, whereas we thought the ACC would probably be the first conference to disband. We actually, Hayden, I think like the, one of the last episodes of season three of our of first down rundown, we like part of the headline and one of our topics was it, the, the the ACC, you know, kind of crumbling. Um, yeah. So I don't know exactly which episode it was, but we, we had a topic on it and kind yeah. of what's going to happen from there. And so... I mean, if they're able to get Cal and Stanford, that'd be cool. And ACC actually already has 14 teams; that'd be a 16-team league going into next year, which would be pretty interesting. But the only downside to that, obviously, is that who are the best schools in the Pac-12? Well, it's UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington, and they all went to the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, Utah went to Utah is also really good. They went to the Big Twelve. Cal and Stanford are probably the the two worst teams in the Pac-12. And again, yes, their academic thresholds are high and their standards are good, but we've said so many times on here that. The schools with the the academic, you know, the rigorous academic standards are the ones that are at the worst disadvantage in this new area of college football, where you have NAL and, and, you know, the endowment money and everything going towards paying these student athletes to be able to come play for you, as well as the transfer portal, where if you're transferring from Georgia, which is the best college football team in the, in the country right now, but your grades aren't good enough to get into Cal or Stanford or UVA or Duke or UNC, you're not going to be able to go to the ACC, and the ACC overall goes, you know, becomes worse as a conference. Um, whereas, you know, if you're that Georgia player, you can you can bet your bottom dollar that you're going to be able to get into Arkansas, or Ole Miss, and just transfer to the SEC schools, which makes them still kind of that, you know, upper echelon of a conference. So, I think that's probably the the, the, the what's going to happen, or at least that's the reports that Cal and Stanford go to the ACC, Oregon State and Washington State. That kind of leaves them, and I think that they'll probably just join the Mountain West. That's a Group of Five conference right now. Teams like Boise State, Air Force, uh, Fresno State. Uh, Wyoming, UNLV, uh, Utah State; those are kind of the teams that are in the in the um, in the Nevada is also in the uh, in in the Mountain West right now, and so Oregon State and Washington State will probably go into the Mountain West, and I think that's probably actually a pretty good move. Like they'll be at the near the top of the Mountain West, but I still I could still see Washington State and Oregon State you know taking losses to teams that are in the Mountain West right now. So I think that's probably the logical move, and essentially at least going into next year, we're just going to have four power conferences instead of five.
0: Yeah, exactly right. All right. That's that's a pretty good take there by Matt. Um putting Oregon State and Washington State into the Mountain West Group of Five conference. But moving on to the Big Ten, and again, this is we're gonna c- kind of continue our talk here. We're gonna try not to repeat ourselves too much because we've already covered a lot of what we wanted to cover in this in this episode. So we're we're gonna kind of take this in context of the Big Ten and talk about the things that we've that we've already mentioned, but kind of just go put them in context at the big 10. So again, I already mentioned they gained USC and UCLA about this time last year. And then last week they gained Oregon and Washington. So now they have 18 teams moving into the the, the 2024 season. And I mentioned a, a, a little bit about them possibly adding two more teams. Um, the only, the only upside of that of adding two more teams to the big 10 would be that it, it would make the, it would make making like the in-conference schedules a lot easier. And that's, that's a, that's a huge part of this whole thing as well Is like, well, how are these in-conference games going to work? How are they going to, how are they going to be able to make these schedules in the big 10? Now we'll get to this in a little bit, um, but I just wanted to mention, you know, kind of put this in perspective a little bit, this move from the PAC 12 to the big 10 that or- Oregon and Washington made last week, just to put it into perspective a little bit, the closest big 10 school that Oregon and Washington will be in the big 10 conference with and Nebraska. Yes. Them too. Sorry. The closest that these West coast teams will be to a big 10 school is Nebraska, the university of Nebraska. And that is 1600 miles away. I don't know really anything about planes and distances and like how long it takes to a plane to go 1600 miles, but I would, I would hazard to guess it's pretty, pretty long flight and it's, it's a very long distance for fans to travel. So that's again, why we were trying to make the point of like, or why I was trying to make the point of teams like Nebraska who are seen as a worse team than USC and UCLA right now teams like Nebraska who are going to have that home field advantage at some point against teams that are better than them are going to have more of a home field advantage because I don't I don't see USC fans traveling all that way maybe maybe there's a couple of USC fans out there that are crazy enough to do it, but it's like, I don't really see it happening. So again, 1,600 miles is the closest Big Ten team. And then you've got further teams that go over as far as Ohio, right? Like Ohio State. So it's- Maryland, Rutgers. Maryland, right. There you go. Yeah. Team Teams that are Penn on State. the East Coast. Yeah. Right. So that just puts into perspective. Um, and then again, I, I wanted to kind of mention this too. We We already sort of mentioned it, but I want to put it, more into perspective, Oregon and Washington were only offered $40 million per year to join, to join the big 10 right now, Matt mentioned it already big 10 teams like Illinois and Indiana, who are known as being worse than Oregon and Washington in their current States are making up to $75 million in the big 10, or I think they are making 75 million or it's like, you know, somewhere, I don't know, like 73.8 or something like that. Yeah. It's 75 million. So 40 million is essentially half of what every other big 10 team is making. And again, that includes the Iowa's of the world that couldn't score a point last year to save their lives. So it's like you, (laughs) that's, that's kind of a a thing to keep in mind here is like Oregon and Washington are taking massive pay cuts from what the other teams are, are already making in the big 10, but it is still significantly larger or more than what they were making in the pac 12. So it's like, that's, uh, I guess that kind of puts it more into perspective on how big the disparity was between, uh, you know, between what teams in the Pac-12 were making and teams in the big in the Big Ten were making. And again, doesn't matter how competitive the teams in the Pac-12 were, they were all making the same amount because that's how it works and that's how it should stay. We've talked about this before, but that, that that's just a little bit of perspective on how big this move is from especially teams from the PAC 12 to the big 10. That's kind of what I wanted to lay out there. So I'll let Matt kind of uh, talk about more about like the, the the fair conference schedules. How are we going to make this in conference schedule work?
1: Yeah. I I think that's perfectly said. Um, And the the way you explained it, and I, and it's, 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 it shows like, hopefully you were able to grasp the magnitude of that. And I'll, I'll kind of, I'm just going to say it again, because it Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA are all take, are all making half as much as a, you know on a, on, a, on a per team basis half as much as all the other Big 10 teams but that's how worth it it is for these schools to move from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 or the Big 10 it's it is that much more worth it for them to move to a different conference sacrifice all of that travel time as hayden said sacrifice you know your road games basically having none of your fans there sacrificing potentially your other sports right now again the reason that they're trapped, the reason that they're signing with the other conference is largely, probably also because they want to be able to fund the other sports. But right, I think that that's that is that's a huge deal. It's it's a it's in a, it's a monumental change in in, in just the the landscape of, of college sports in general. So now, the other side of this, and Hayden mentioned it. We actually talked about it when we were talking about the Pac-12 too. This means the Big Tw- the Big Ten, going into 2024 is going to have 18 teams in their conference. That's never happened. There, there's never been a conference larger than I think 14 teams. And now the big 10 is going to have 18 going into 2024. The, the easiest way, or at least the, the way that this has gone in the past is the fact that you have 12 to 14 teams in every conference every year on a, on a per year basis. And at least up until all of this realignment stuff, there's bit for like, for the better part of like what me and Hayden were just talking about where, you know, for the better part of our lives, we haven't seen any, you know, we haven't seen any conference realignment and the way that these conferences have, have, have been able to kind of, you know, come up with a schedule that's fair and honest and easy for everyone to understand. Is to have two divisions within each conference, okay? Now, this is obviously what the NFL does and, and most of the other professional sports is you have a conference overall, the NFC and the AFC are the conferences and they're split up into four divisions apiece. Now, obviously the you know the, the college conferences aren't as big as the NFL conferences because they're not professional teams, but still you had the Big 10 and the SEC and the Pac-12 and the ACC were all broken up into two separate divisions for the better part of the last 20 years, maybe even longer than that. And what this did was it was able, it, it made a schedule easy to come up with. And so just for the sake of, you know, kind of reading it off here. So the Big Ten previously had the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West. And we actually, you know, they actually still are doing this, you know, even through this year, it's going to change obviously going into next year. But the Big Ten has two divisions and each of those divisions has seven teams in it. And so the purpose of the divisions is such that every team in each division, you play all, you automatically play all of the other teams in your division. Like that's automatically that's on your schedule. Like that's fair and set. And that's six games, right? Because if there's seven teams in each division, there's six other teams in the division. You play all six of those teams on your schedule every single year guaranteed, you know, nothing else, right? You have three out of conference games, which are, which can be decided. And that's, that's on the school to decide, right? So Michigan is playing East Carolina in their first game. Michigan and East Carolina at some point got together and were like, hey, let's just play some out-of-conference games. And there you go. And m- more than likely, Michigan paid East Carolina a big sum of money to be able to come up to their school and, and get their butts kicked. So, But that's an example of what, what's happening out-of-conference. So you have three out-of-conference games. You have six in-conference, in-division games, all right? And every conference schedule or every college football schedule is 12 games total. So you've, we've already knocked out nine games there. The other three games are random opponents from the other division. Okay, so for so if you're Wisconsin, you're in the Big Ten West, you know, you're playing, you know, Illinois, Indiana, or not Indiana, sorry, Illinois, you know, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, like I already said Illinois, but yeah, you get the point. All the other teams in the Big Point, Big Ten West. And then you draw three random teams from the Big Ten East, except it's not really random, it's it's it rotates throughout the years. So like in one year, you know, if you're Wisconsin, you might play Ohio state, Indiana and Rutgers. And then in the next year you'll play Michigan, Michigan state and Maryland. And like that rotates, I think on a, on a, on a three year basis or something. So that every three years you're playing the same teams from the other division, but they're, you know, they're, you're rotating. So you're not playing all of them every year as you would be with the other teams in your own division. Okay, so hopefully that makes sense about how this was all kind of broken up. And again, like I said, this is how it was for all of the Power Five conferences for the better part of the last 20 to 30 years. And this whole 18-team conference thing and the Big 12 is about to have 16 teams going into next year. And the ACC, if they add Cal and Stanford, will also have 16 teams going into next year. It completely messes up everything. Or not messes up, but it it throws out of whack all of what we had when it comes to divisions. And all these Power Conferences, just, just so you know, like this just you know please listen to this all of these conferences have already said there's going to be no divisions going forward okay so how they make the conference schedule I don't really know now the ACC I think is the is is the is the one precedent for this they were actually able to to, to make it work okay so what the ACC did was, they devised what are called protected rivalries. And in that in that case, it means, you know, there are certain teams, and it's it's similar to what the division was, but there are certain teams that you are designated with that you have a rivalry with. And I don't know whether the teams came up with them or if the conferences were just like, hey, you're going to do this because we told you to. But you have protected rivalries, For six of your games, and then your other three games are essentially just randomly drawn. And kind of like I said, they're on like a a five or six year basis where they're rotating throughout those years. Um, I think it's an, I think it's a, I think you're rotating on a biannual basis, which again, this is very in the weeds, but just so you know. Um, Now, the question is Hayden, and I I know you got a a little piece here, piece of information. I don't know, you're not going to be able to solve this, but how do you make a fair conference schedule with this many teams?
0: Yeah. So I mentioned, and I'll mention it again. The Big Ten possibly adding two more teams on top of the 18 teams that they will be heading into the 2024 season with that'll make it 20 total teams in the Big Ten. My guess, I didn't read too much up on this. I just read that it would be a better option. My guess would be that it's 20 teams just makes it easier to, and I don't, I don't think that they would do divisions with it because divisions they you don't really need divisions in that, in that context, because I mean, there is no, like at this point, there is no real, you know, big 10 East or big 10 West. You've got teams that are on the West coast that are going to be in the big 10, like UCLA, USC, Washington and Oregon, but you don't have enough big 10, you know, West teams that are close to those teams to be able to make divisions that are going to actually seem practical. So right now, as Matt was saying, um, the big 10 has nine, not nine in conference games, and then they play three out of conference games to finish to make up the regular season total of 12 games. But in, in this case, and I think either way, like even if they do stick with 18 teams, I think that they will choose to do 10 in conference games just because like Matt said, it's, it's the most amount of teams that we've ever seen in one conference. And so why wouldn't you up the amount of in conference games and just make it even more, more competitive um, also easier to figure out who makes it to the big 10 championship, because that'll, that'll create more deviation in, in who has a better in conference record. Essentially. It's like the more in conference games you have, the easier it is to, or the easier it is going to be a- going to be, to be able to figure out who is, who has a better in conference record, who has more in conference wins, et-, et cetera. So it's like, that's if you have 10 in conference games, if you increase the amount of in conference games by one from what it is right now, it'll be easier to figure out a Big Ten championship and kind of, you know, be able to decipher who's better in conference. Um, and then it'll also give teams an opportunity to play more of the 19 other teams that are going to be in the conference, assumably, or the, the other 17 teams that'll be in the conference if they don't add two more teams. So, either way, it's going to give teams. A better opportunity to play more teams in the conference, um, and then it'll also, again, like I said, I kind of just came up with this, but I, if my math is working correctly in my head, or if if my brain gears are working correctly, it will, by default and kind of inherently, make it easier to choose who has an inco- better in conference record because there's there's going to be more deviation if you play one more in a conference game. So that's my that's my spiel.
1: I think you're I think you're spot on there, and and I think. The the, the the overall idea is to not go back to having divisions. I know Hayden mentioned that's like, oh, well, yeah, if you have 20 teams. You didn't make 10, 10 team divisions. The reason we're not going to go back to divisions is because we have the worst example of what a division can become in yeah. this version of the current version of the Big Ten, which is Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are on the same division, and there's only one team that can come out of that division to yeah. play for the Big Ten championship, and they're usually playing a team on the other side that either A has a way worse record or is a way worse team than the, than the team they're currently playing or B is not representative of the team that they should be playing in the championship to begin with. And so the idea is to be, is to have the two teams at the top of the conference play each other for the conference championship, instead of, whoever wins the Big Ten East, like, right, with the last two years, Michigan has won the Big Ten East both years. They've played Iowa and Purdue in the last two years, and they beat each of those teams by 30 points, and there, it wasn't even a game uh, to begin with. So the point is that we're moving away from divisions so that we will have a more competitive conference championship going forward. Moving into the Big 12 now, they're kind of the, the again, they're the they're the team that's most in limbo. We, we, we don't have, or we're going to kind of transition. We're going to talk about, like, the Big 12 transition and the teams that are coming in this year, as well as teams that are, you know, moving in the, in the next couple of years. And then we're going to go kind of transition that into a big 12 football preview for this coming year, which again, there's a lot of unknowns. So we're not going to, we're not going to go really team by team, but just to kind of go over what has happened in the big 12 thus far, they lost Texas, Texas and Oklahoma about this time, two years ago, um, which that was kind of the first that those were the first dominoes to fall in the whole conference realignment thing um, was Texas and Oklahoma announcing that they were going to move to the sec. They gained, the Big 12 gained Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and UCF. Um, All of those... Aside from BYU, so Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF all came from the AAC, which is a group of five conference, and BYU was independent previously, and they moved to to the Power Five uh, conference, you know, being in in the Big 12, and that goes into effect this year, okay, so Texas and Oklahoma are still in the Big 12 for this year, they're moving to the SEC next year in 2024, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and UCF are the four new teams to the Big 12, they are going in, they are playing in the Big 12 this year, okay, so the Big 12 is actually I think 14 teams this year. um, And it's including Texas, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and UCF. So all those teams are playing in the Big 12 this year, which is going to make the Big 12, I think, pretty exciting this year. Um, And then over the last week, they gained the Pac 12 teams, such as Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. Okay. So the conference will have 16 teams going forward because you're losing Texas and Oklahoma, but you're gaining. Well, so right now the conference has eight, has 10 teams. Well, before this year the conference had 10 teams. You're losing two of those teams, so you're like, "Oh my god, the conference only has 8 teams." Well, they're gaining another 8 teams essentially for this year and for next year. So that's kind of how that's working out going forward. So there going to be 16 teams in the Big 12. And again, the only four teams that there's only four teams in the in the in the new Big 12 going forward, only four of those teams are coming from Group of 5 conferences. The rest are coming from either the Pac-12. Well, the rest are coming from the Pac-12. So there you go. Um, and so the, the, the kind of the question here is, how is the Big 12 ever able to leverage all of this gain when it seemed like we were heading towards the SEC and the Big Ten being the only power conferences? Now I will kind of put a caveat here and say that the Big Ten and the SEC are in fact going to be only power conferences going forward, or at least there's going to be some sort of. Super conference, super league type of thing in the future of college football. That's where this is all going. In case you haven't really caught on yet, the Big Ten, the SEC are the best conferences, the biggest conferences. They have the best teams and the big names and the biggest brands in their conferences right now. They're kind of going to be filtered out. Okay, so the the best teams from the Big Twelve, you know, your 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 kind of your your TCU, Oklahoma, or TCU, you know, Kansas State, um, you know, kind of you know Baylor, Texas Tech, those teams probably will eventually replace teams in the Big Ten like Indiana Rutgers Northwestern, right. Those teams that are just complete doormats in the big 10 right now. And we're going to move to where the big 10 and the sec are the two super conferences. And pretty much that's going to be a semi-professional league in the future. Right. That's, 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 what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now. Okay. So that's kind of where we're going with all this, but as of right now, we're kind of just going over what, what has happened so far. So you're thinking, or at least I was led to thought, Hey, you know, the PAC 12 is falling apart. The ACC is falling apart and the big 12, doesn't really get mentioned that much. How are they able to? How are they able to make this come true? Where they're getting essentially their their conference right now, or you know, previous to this year, was only ten teams, and next year they're going to have sixteen teams. Like, how did this happen for the Big Ten? Well, or the Big Twelve? The answer actually lies in another sport, and that is basketball. So weirdly enough, and this has actually been, I think, a plan of the Big Twelves ever since Brett Yormark, who's the current commissioner of the Big Twelve, he was reinstated. I think he was. I think he took the job like a couple years ago, and you may mention, or you may. You, at least here's a thought. Let's run through the past three champions in, in March Madness. Okay. So you had UVA in 2019, which I actually mentioned earlier in this podcast. In 2020, the, obviously the, the tournament was canceled, which RIP to March Madness because of COVID. 2021, Baylor won the national championship. 2022, Kansas won the national championship. Obviously last year, UConn won the championship, but two in a row, well, two champions, two champions of March Madness in a row, both came from the big Twelve. And let's think about teams that are now going to be in the Big 12 in this 16-team league moving forward. Arizona, Houston, perennial top 10 basketball teams. Where do we think this conference is going? I think that the Big 12 is being very smart here and they're moving towards... Basically, completely being focused on, on, on basketball going forward, which, as we've denoted by March Madness and everything that's that's involved in, in, you know, a $2 billion enterprise, which is March Madness, and all of the excitement that's generated from, you know, from, from that sport being the, the only thing that people care about for the better part of, you know, the entire month of, of, of March, basically, that's where the Big Ten fits in, or the Big 12 fits in. Okay. Football. Yeah. You know, we already see that the SEC and big 10 are, are the future of football and those best teams in in college football are all going to be in the big 12, sorry, the big 10 and the SEC. I think the, I think the big 12 did the perfect job in finding kind of the, 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 I guess the loophole in the plan here, which is, Hey, When football is not being played of those, you know, September football, at least, especially college football is only basically September through the first couple of weeks in January. That's four months out of the year. March is all by itself. March madness is the, you know, the biggest deal in the sporting world when it's going on big 12, just completely capitalized on basketball completely. And, and, and there's even talks that Gonzaga and Yukon, which are other two other always teams that are always good in college basketball, always ranked inside the top 10 um, that they also might join the big 12 in coming years as well. So I think this is an amazing move for the big 12 in general. And, and it's, and it's so interesting that, they were able to kind of find a niche and where they fit in and, and, and made something of it. So um, yeah. So I don't know, Hayden, if you have any thoughts on that, or if you want to kind of go into where, um, you know, why you think maybe that the big 12 is yes, doing really great at this whole football or this whole basketball thing, but you might actually have an argument for why this is going to work out for them in football too.
0: Yeah. And you might be listening to this right now and thinking that I'm crazy for saying that, it is a good move for football as well, and I will tell you why. And I, I'm going to use a little bit of recency bias here, and I'm going to talk about recent years and how Oklahoma and, and Texas have been in recent years. Obviously, Oklahoma, I guess you can say recent years also include the Lincoln Riley era when Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, which we know he led them to, I think, a couple playoff exp- um playoff appearances and then also He had what three Heisman quarterbacks in a row. And so we know that Lincoln Riley is just a different breed and he's now at USC and probably going to do, well, he's already doing great things with Caleb Williams there. And once they move to the big 10, he'll probably be doing even bigger things because he'll be playing very competitive teams or maybe he won't, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm excited to see how that goes. But again, we mentioned, and we, we mentioned, I think it was last episode and we've kind of alluded to this too, by leaving the big 12 out of our, deep analysis previews for all the other power five conferences. And we've, we've kind of mentioned the big 12 being in a period of transition here, big transition. Like Matt said, they, they lost four teams, went down to eight teams. And then all of a sudden they're adding eight new teams, you know, over over the course of a a period of a a few years, I guess you could say. Um, And the, the assumption here, when we say they're in a a period of transition is that we're assuming that they're going to a lower level of play when we say this, at least that's what i would assume if i were listening to this i would i would assume okay yeah the big 12 they're in a period of transition you know usually when you talk about a sports team going into a rebuild or a transition year you're you're thinking that they're going to be bad or they're they're not going to have a good record or they're not they're just not going to perform well but i do have an argument for why the competitiveness of football in the big 12 may even increase in comparison to recent years. Again, this is a little bit of, of recency bias here, but I'm going to lay it out for you, and it might go by fast, so I might have to run it by you again real quick. But here's my here's my whole argument. So Texas, they haven't really been that competitive in recent years. This year, they're heading into the season ranked, I think, number 11 in, in preseason rankings, some, somewhere around there. So, yes, this season is an exception. They also just got Arch Manning in – Recruiting and so that kind of bumps them up a a tier, if you will. Um, and you know, in the coming years, but in recent years, with the exception of Bijan Robinson, who has carried them in many of their wins, I would argue recently, at least last year and the year before, they haven't. Texas hasn't really been that good. Oklahoma, like I've already kind of mentioned, they were really only good with Lincoln Riley. When Brent Venables came over last year, when when Brent Venables came to be the head coach last year. He was going to, he promised to make that defense better. And that might be something that we mentioned here in our little preview of Texas and Oklahoma that we're going to get to in a little bit shortly. He didn't do anything with that defense. And he, last year, Oklahoma was terrible. I think Oklahoma was what went five and seven in the regular season, something like that. They lost 49 zip in the, uh, in the rivalry that they have against Texas. I forget the, the name of it. Red river shootout. Yes. Yes. Red river shootout. Um, they lost 49 to zip and it was the biggest deficit or the biggest loss that a team has ever had in that rivalry in the red in the red river shootout. So Oklahoma really only good with Lincoln Riley and they don't have him anymore. So Oklahoma seems to be at least of right now on the downfall, okay? Those are the two teams that they lost. Texas and Oklahoma were the only two teams that as of recent that the Big 12 lost. If you ask me as of right now, that those aren't two huge losses, okay? They're not as big as Oklahoma and I mean, as Oregon and Washington leaving the, the Pac 12 and also UCLA and USC. Secondly, TCU and Cincinnati have both made playoff appearances within the last two years. Cincinnati made it two years ago. TCU made it last year. TCU made it to the, the championship game last year. Um, and so, Cincinnati, when they made the, the college football playoff, they were still in the AAC, but now they're in the Big 12. And have they carried some of that or will they carry some of that success? from the AAC over to the Big 12 I would assume so. I mean it, again, you you just talk about what the what teams have accomplished because that's really the only evidence that we have. TCU and Oklahoma, I mean TCU and Cincinnati have both made playoff appearances within the last 2 years. They're both in the Big 12 now. Um Utah has proven that they're a real contender. They've won the Pac-12 championship the past 2 years and where are they moving? The Pac-12, okay? I mean, sorry, the Big, Big 12. Yeah. And then <laughs> And then my final thing here, and this is this is kind of my I guess move point again, a little a little bit, because it's not really like proven and it may not happen. But Colorado, I think Colorado's a ticking bomb right now in a good way, in that Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, is there, and you never really know what this guy can do. He's he's brought over a bunch of great recruits, he's turned around the Colorado roster in the matter of a year, probably more than we've ever seen in college football history. And so I think that Colorado. Again, it's going to take some time, a little bit of time. It's probably not going to happen this year or next year, but they could be a ticking bomb. They could go crazy with recruits, NIL money. I mean, dude, Deion Sanders could pay kids out of his pocket for years to come yeah. to, just for them to come to Colorado and play football. So that's my argument. Again, the teams that are leaving the Big 12, just to kind of sum it up for you, teams that are leaving Big 12, the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma, They they haven't really proven themselves in recent years. And again, Oklahoma was only good – when lincoln riley was there and he's gone now um and then the the teams that are in the big 12 currently or have moved into the big 12 in recent years or are moving in 2024 like utah those teams have proven themselves in the past in recent years those teams have proven that they're very very good so that's that's my argument for the big 12 being good in football and again i think that they're going to be even better than or it's going to be even more competitive than it has been in P- in recent years in the big 12 because the big 12 is let's be honest it has been one of the 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 bottom tier Power Five conferences as of late. I'm not saying that they're going to be better or anywhere as good as the Big Ten and the SEC once all these changes happen. I'm not saying that, but I what I am saying is the Big 12 might be just as competitive, if not more competitive, in the coming years as they were now, which I think is is, is a pretty unpopular opinion. So, Matt, take it away with whatever you're going to say or whatever – you want to take this too, because I see you writing things in the chat here, but I I've been on my little spiel and I've been trying to concentrate on that. So take it away, Matt.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with your argument. Um, and, and I think that the, the kind of the one, the caveat that I'll make is that, and it's not a, it's not a bad thing. The, the, the future big 12 teams are not going to be competing for the college football championship now, because we'll get the expanded playoff. There will be 12 teams in this playoff. And I mean, as, as the Big 12 is, is conformed right now, it is still going to be a Power 5 conference until something happens in the next, I guess, probably five or six years to where, you know, the teams will move to the Big 10 or whatever. There's still going to be a ten, a 12-team playoff, and there's still going to be conferences, and the champions of those conferences are going to have, you know, they're going to be in the playoff, and they're going to have a chance to win the national title. Now, right, the top of this, of this Big 12 top conference going forward is going to be teams like TCU, Kansas State where, you know, have they really, yeah, I, I guess the bad argument is the TCU literally competed in the championship game last season, but I think that was, it was definitely an outlier season, I will say, Yeah, but the, the positive side of this argument though, is that yes. Okay. You know, they're not going to be competing for the national title. And, and we've, we've understood that that's a given because the SEC and the big 10 are going to be the best, you know, the best conferences going forward. And they're going to be the best teams going forward. But what you want to see in a conference is competitiveness among the teams. And I think that's probably Hayden what he was getting at in terms of, yes. Hey, I mean, right. Who knows? Utah could become best team in the country, right? Always, you know, they could be competing for, for national championship. You never know. But, but I think that at the end of the day, you, you, you want it, you want your conference to be competitive in the sense that any given game could be a win or a loss for any given team. And yes. that's what the pack, that's what the big 12 is going to have going forward. Yeah. Right. Because, as it currently stands, right. The big 10 Northwestern, Indiana and Rutgers are complete doormats in the conference. And those are automatic wins for most teams in the big 10. Similarly with the sec, a little bit less, but like Vanderbilt is, is, is basically a win for every team on the sec schedule. I'm high on Vanderbilt. They're going to be better going forward, but like, they're not going to be good in the grand scheme of, you know, whatever the secs are. So and and to a certain extent if you're a power conference like that you kind of need some teams at the bottom to be able to kind of you know hoist your 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 best teams up and make them you know kind of have have the undefeated record whatever it may be but that's the best part about this new Big 12 is the fact that these teams are all, at least in a football football sense, um, these teams are all going to be very evenly matched, and the games are all going to be really good. And they're all so spread out across the country that, right, like you're Baylor and and you got to go to BYU, Provo, Utah. Forget on a on a Friday night. Forget about it. Like you're losing that game, right? And but similarly, when BYU's got to you know travel to 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 Baylor, they lose an hour two hours of sleep, I think. And they're playing, you know, in in the in the dry Baylor heat of Waco, Texas, on a twelve o'clock noon on a on a on a on a Saturday in the middle of November. Like, good night, BYU's losing that game, right? So that's a perfect example of how competitive this conference is going to be going forward. And I think it's I think it's great for the conference overall. So to kind of go off of that, let's now preview the Big Twelve and it's going to be kind of short. And ironically, we just talked for 15 minutes about how good the big 12 is going to be going forward. But unfortunately, and Hayden's like the Texas and Oklahoma have sucked so bad in the last, they're unfortunate. They're going to be the best teams in the big 12 this year. They're probably going to be the teams that are, that make it to the conference championship. similar to how in the ACC it was basically like, it's only going to be Florida State and Clemson. Uh, the Big 12 is, is going to be that way with Texas and Oklahoma. And so to a certain extent, you can understand the move that the Big 12 or that the Texas and Oklahoma are going to make to the SEC. Going forward, I do not expect Texas and Oklahoma to be competing right away in the, in the SEC. Like, forget about it like big time. Um but Texas is one of like brings back I think the most production in the country or like like at the top of it. Their wide receiver core is is among the top in the country. and Hayden maybe can go over kind of their individual players if he wants. Um and 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 Oklahoma's schedule is just like one of the easiest in the entire country as well. Um so as much as kind of we were we were trash on them for for being kind of near at the bottom which they have I mean Texas hasn't won the conference since I think 2008 2009 like colt mccoy like it's been 15 years since texas yes. won the conference mm-hmm. oklahoma had an insane run obviously with lincoln riley and all their quarterbacks uh you know there for the for the past five or six years but haven't even been in the conference championship since since lincoln riley left which i guess was only one year ago but whatever um or no i think i think that lincoln riley's last year i think it was baylor and oklahoma state in the in the big 12 yeah yeah you're that right. was big 12. yeah so so yeah. two years since since oklahoma hasn't even appeared in the big 12 championship so i I I agree 100% with what Haven's saying, where like, right, these teams are moving away. They haven't provided much for the Big 12 in the, in the past couple of years. Um, I, I, they are clear cut, the you know, the two best teams in the conference this year, but they've also been, you know, people have, have said that they should be favored to win the conference in the past two years, haven't even made it to the conference championship. So really anything can happen.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And just to kind of preview these two teams at v- very minimal preview edge. Uh, Right. Quinn Ewers is coming back along with eight other returning starters on offense. So Texas, that's why Texas is ranked so high going into the season. That's why their preseason ranking is 11. Um, They're also, yeah, their O-line and wide receiver rooms are some of the best in the country combined. And then they're also returning most of the defensive line that actually ranked first in QB pressures last season. So again, I was trashing on them being, well, last season they were better than in years before that, uh, recent years before that, but yes, They ranked first in QB pressures last season, returning most of that defensive line. That was the reason for that. And they've got a couple of transfers in the secondary. Oklahoma, on the other hand, I've kind of previewed this but when I was talking about Oklahoma and how I'm kind of low on them going into future years. But, right, what is Brent Venables going to do with this defense that's going to convince us that he is this great defensive line? If you don't know who Brent Venables is, he was the defensive coordinator for Clemson when they were in their glory years. And he, he really built up, I, I feel like the recruiting part of that Clemson defense, because Clemson defenses have always really been good. Um, but I think that he really kind of stepped it up a notch there. He obviously did a great job with just coaching them because they, they won the national championship while he was there uh, as a defensive coordinator. And then they also met, made it to a couple playoffs while he was there and didn't win the championship. And right. He, he was the reason that that defense was so good. He promised to bring, Oklahoma, a good defense finally, because Oklahoma has been one of those big 12 teams known for not having a defense ever. And they ranked 122nd in total defense last year. So <laughs> shows you how much he brought to Oklahoma on the defensive side of the ball. It didn't really bring much. That's their biggest question. D- Dylan Gabriel on offense. He's, he's their quarterback. He's the real deal. We know that he is ever since he was at UCF, he's been a dog. Um, and then they've got a couple of transfers from Texas and Michigan and wide receiver. And that's really all I have because I don't even know their names. They, it's it's really that defense. It's, that's my concern for this year. Brent Venables needs to do something with that defense this year,
1: and he needs something quick because they're moving to the SEC next year, and that's going to be a rude awakening yeah, when it comes exactly. to you don't know you don't have a defense in the SEC. Good luck. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with what he was saying. Um, I, I think they're going to be they're going to be fine moving forward because. He's much more of a player development guy. So he's going to have to, it'll take him a few years to get his recruits in there. And then he'll be able to coach them up himself. And And I think it'll get running probably in, in, in a couple years here. Um, and I think they're giving him time. Like, I think they're, he, they structured his deal so that he would have, you know, a few years to kind of get his recruits in there and his coaching staff all together. So they're all kind of on the same page. Um, and, and I think they'll be good going forward, but not going to the college football playoff anytime soon because, right. Yeah. you're going to be beating Georgia and Alabama anytime. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. So good luck for them moving forward. I don't think it's going
0: to happen. Um, I have to leave pretty soon. So let's get into the rundown. Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez got into a literal fist fight on the baseball field. I think this was last night or the night before or something like that. Um, And yes, it wasn't, it was a fist fight. I'm pretty sure Tim Anderson ended up getting, he got dropped by Jose yeah. Ramirez um, and he looked, he looked to be a, the bigger guy in the situation. And he got, got dropped. He like almost got knocked out, called him and you could see him kind of just fall back all stiff. Um, So Matt, who, who won and lost this fight literally and figuratively?
1: Well, literally Tim Anderson absolutely lost this fight. He was the first one to square up, Yeah, right? He put his fists up first, then he starts swinging. He gets absolutely, first of all, well, yeah, he, he's the first one to start the fight. Jose Ramirez is now going to, because they like his teammates saw, and he he was in the outfield, so there were like rest of his teammates in the outfield started to grab Jose Ramirez. So Jose Ramirez has like three White Sox players on him, and literally still drops Tim Anderson. Like yeah. this guy starts the fight, has three of his players draped on the other guy that he's fighting, and still gets knocked out. What are you doing? <laughs> and then, but I think so. He literally lost the fight, but I think the winners were people who enjoy baseball. This was a yes. this was a great baseball story to enter my timeline on a team on a, on a time when. All I'm really caring about is previewing football. It was great to see that. So figuratively, baseball wins.
0: Yes, for sure. All right. Sticking with the fighting theme here, Jake Paul defeated Nate Diaz and yet another version of Jake Paul thinking that he's great by beating a professional athlete at a sport that is different from the one that they usually play. Nate Diaz is a UFC fighter. He has been his whole career. And then he the the news loves to say he has made the switch to boxing and it's like no he just took this fight because it's a lot of money and yeah. boxing is kind of similar to ufc it's just without the wrestling and kicking it's like it's a pretty similar sport it was a it was a 10 million dollar check or something like that just for him to get knocked out so i i know for a fact that he was just trying to get this check you could tell by the uh the weigh-ins the pre-fight like square up square off that they do you could tell that nate diaz was not in the best shape to be boxing jake paul again jake paul not the best boxer we don't think but still has had a, a lot more boxing experience than nate, than nate diaz has had yeah um just like pure boxing box, boxing experience professional boxing experience and jake paul ended up beating him and, and was like i'm gonna fight you in ufc now and it's it, like no dude if you're offered 10 million dollars you might but yeah <laughs> Other than that, you're not going to go in the UFC ring with Nate Diaz. Yeah,
1: I wish he did because he'd lose, Me too. but he's yeah. not going to because he's going to lose. So, like, that sums it up right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the other people that he's fought have been, like, I mean, not, not boxers, which he's he's probably a good boxer, but, like, all he's doing is fighting people who don't box. And so, yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. it's it's like the perfect genius marketing strategy because he's making a ton of money. The people he's fighting are making a ton of money. And right, at that point, I'd, fake, I'd fight the heck out of Jake Paul for $10 million. I'd, I'd definitely get my butt kicked, but I'd make oh, yeah. $10 million. And I wouldn't have to work another day in my life. So thank you very much. I'll take that, right? Um, but, but if we're talking about Jake Paul being of really good boxer, and he should have the, you know, welterweight, t- no, or at least he might be able to, but I'd like to see him try to do that against other people that are able to earn that title because he's not doing that right now. And so I, I, I want to see it happen, but it probably won't because again, he cares about money and that's fine, but I, we can't respect him as an actual boxer if he's not fighting actual boxers.
0: All right. Third thing here. And last thing of the episode is Bryson DeChambeau is back on the scene after winning the live tournament this weekend with a final round of 58. If you don't know much about golf, 58 is actually a really, really good round. Like anywhere you play. I mean, you could play the easiest course in America and scoring a 58 is is really tough. So basically
1: getting a birdie on every hole.
0: Yeah, almost. So um, is this good for golf, Matt? Do we think so?
1: I think so, um, especially for the newly minted PGA slash live slash uh, Saudi Arabian fund merger that's happening, Um, because I, I think it I think it brings into play, you know, the 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 balance of like the PGA Tour schedule right now is we're going into the FedEx Cup playoffs and there's all these, you know, these playoff events that, you know, you have to have a certain amount of points to get in. And based on who wins these playoff events, you know, you're set up to win the FedEx cup championship at the end of the day. And it's a $15 million prize. And it's this big deal, but like, it's definitely not as big when you don't have guys like Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Cameron, Cam Smith, like all these bigger names, Dustin Johnson, who aren't competing in the FedEx cup playoffs on the PGA tour. It, it makes it a lot less intriguing to watch. And to be honest, I'm not even really watching the Cup playoffs and the PJ Tour. I'm also not watching Liv, right? So that kind of makes me the perfect candidate of a person who will benefit from this merger of all these leagues and all these investment funds um, in, in the coming years to be able to make this work. I, I'm, I, I'm excited for that to happen. And and so I think this is a good preview of, of what is to come and, and the fact that this kind of made the news and that it was a live event and people still aren't watching the live events. I'm not watching live events. I'm also not watching the PJ Tour events. So it, as soon as we the sooner that we can get this merger done and, and actual golf is back and, and like it was before, that's great for me.
0: I completely agree. All right. Well, with that being said, Matt does have to skedaddle here and that rounds off the episode just in time. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was probably one of our best episodes that we've ever done. I think in terms of the flow of it, how much content and information just flowed through your guys' ears if you're still listening to this. I say it pretty often, but we love you because that means it's your real one and you support us uh, heavily if you're still listening to this. So thank you so much. Keep up the support. Um, we will be back this weekend with another episode, probably in person. Yeah, I've, I'm going home to Richmond this weekend. So we'll be back. I'll be in, in Madison,
1: person. Wisconsin. So I oh.
0: think I'm going to be there. Okay. Well, then maybe NFL previews
1: next week, though.
0: Starts. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Well, thank you, Matt, for saying that so that, that I don't seem like a liar next time we post. <laughs> we post next Wednesday. So, yes, next Wednesday around that time, expect another episode for us. You have a week off from us, but a week to listen to this. Rather long episode Again, thank you guys so much for listening We appreciate it a lot Um, Thank you guys for being a part of, of This great episode And we will see you guys next week With some NFL previews